All right, I've, I got more time with Gary Gagliardi. I'm really excited about this because you know I, I grew up I grew up Catholic. One of my um, you know I, I'm I'm no longer Catholic. I I enjoy the Bible as a, as a book. I think the stories are great. Um, the 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 the, the historic value I think that it has is very limited and so people who treat this as if it's a work of of pure fact uh, and and history that always kind of has troubled me mostly because of the translations so what I find so interesting about what you're doing is you're retranslating it and and it's a it's a website called in Christ's words and if I can just quote your website it's revealing the humor the wordplay what is left out added and inaccurately represented in the translation of Jesus's 1,880 verses by comparing the English to the Greek. I really like this idea. I, I actually love the idea of, of, of translations without a political agenda, let's say. And I think a lot of the current Bibles, especially the St. James Version, the political agendas behind it are, are, are astounding. And I think that's where a lot of the trouble comes in. But also... What I find interesting is you're translating it from the Greek. There's actually some some kind of contention on whether the original is Greek or Aramaic, correct? So we're, we're, if that's true, we're kind of our entire conversation is just just to, I said it at the onset is that you are trans you are laboring under the idea that it was all originally in Greek, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm. I didn't start with that idea. I start say for the first. I started this project over 15 years ago now. Um, and when I started, I assumed that the academics were cre- correct and that it was originally, you know, Jesus taught in Aramaic and it was translated to Greek. And and uh, what we were reading in the Greek translation was a translation from Aramaic. However, after year after year, I just saw things, so many things. You know, I am a translator. I, you know, I... I uh, started by translating, you know, English desires into computer languages. Mm-hmm. Then I went translating ancient Chinese to English. And then I translated the ideas of the, that ancient Chinese to, you know, the language of management or the language mm-hmm. of sales. So I, I've been doing translation all my life and I know how translation works. And there are many, many parts of, and, you know, I've gone through all the gospels now, um, there are many parts that simply could never have been translated from another language. And you can tell that because, well, we can get into the specifics, but I've been, I've become convinced and I've challenged anybody to debate me and I have had no takers yet online or in person or whatever to debate me on whether it was Jesus spoke Greek or spoke Aramaic and what we have as a translation because I believe Jesus taught in Greek, he had to teach in Greek, um, that the cleverness of the words is such that a translator would never do them. And what's in the words, are, you know, is, is uh, well, for example, there are places where the, the Aramaic is quoted and then it's translated so that people that don't speak Aramaic can understand what Jesus was saying when he spoke Aramaic. And it's like, well, how, what was the original then? I mean, if it was all Aramaic, why pick out this one line where he spoke Aramaic and quote the Aramaic and then translate it? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And that happens several times in the Bible. 
Well, let me pause you here because I don't want to get because I I don't want to get into the mire of that because to me that's less interesting than what you're saying and I don't mean that in I any agree. kind of insult. So I just wanted to I just wanted to say that everyone who's listening, we are going to labor under the pretense that this was that you're translating the original Greek. I would love to see people debate you on it. I don't have I don't have a horse in the fight. I, I don't it doesn't really matter to me. What what matters to me is I love this idea of an honest translation of what was said. And the, the, the kind of the, the conclusion that you came to is that Jesus was really a thought-provoking, borderline stand-up comedian. And if not stand-up comedian, <laughs> uh, he definitely was uh, an entertainer with, with a comedic flair. I mean, maybe he's not yeah. quite like Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack, which is one of my favorites. Uh, but he was definitely, definitely great. And, and I, I love this idea of the spoken versus the written word. And a lot of what you say, it kind of... Not only do you translate it, but you also give stage directions on how this could have been performed. I don't know if any of this is true. I, I don't. But I just I love the idea behind this. How did you kind of stumble across this idea of, of Jesus as, as, the, as the funny guy? I read the words in Greek. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. Fair enough. I mean, I started, I started on this project, and, you know, I started in Matthew, because that's the first gospel. And... The, at, you know, very early in Matthew, you get into the Sermon on the Mount, and that's the the longest sermon, what's described as a sermon by Christ in 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 any of the Gospels. And line after line, when you translate it, is very funny. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it's set up as standard jokes. You know, in in Greek, the rule is generally you put the. It's actually like ancient Chinese in this regard. Uh, you put the the most important words at the front of the sentence and the other stuff at the end of the sentence. Time after time in Christ's Greek, the good stuff is at the very end. Well, what has, in, in spoken language, what has the, always has the surprise at the very end of the line? Oh, that's humor. Right. That's what we call humor. You know, and, and, the, and the standard thing with there, the setup, where you sort of lead your listeners down a path, and then you at the end you drop, a surprise on them, where it's like, oh, well, that changes everything you said before. Wait a minute. I mean, it was it was clear to me that the guy and and that was very early on in my stay. I was going. I I actually kept going because it was so funny. Now, not all of Jesus is like that, you know. When you get on to his next major thing, which is sending the apostles, it's not nearly so funny. Uh, it's it has its point. He you know clearly was a very lighthearted guy. The way I say it in my my, uh, I did a novel on this Sermon on the Mount, and uh, where I try and bring out all the different meanings of the words by the novelization of it. But uh, in my novel, I say he was so lighthearted he could walk on water, and that's really the way. <laughs> that's really the way it comes across. Is he comes across as very lighthearted. I mean, if you take the Sermon on the Mount, for example, the the first two words are fortunate beggars. And it's like, how did the words fortunate beggars is the first thing out of your mouth make any sense to anybody? Mm -hmm. It's a surprise. And, you know, from there it goes on. I mean, it, uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm always into the last verse I translated because I work on at least one verse a day and I'm sort of upgrading everything all the time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that, well, it's not amazing to me because everybody changes the word order around. So it's like English sentence word order and they don't preserve 
they don't preserve Christ's word order. If you keep very close to Christ's word order, it just reads as humor. That's all you can say is it just reads as humor. Right. Well, I mean, you break down, like, blessed are the poor of spirit and the Beatitudes. I mean, you really break down the pauses what he said, why it's funny. I, I'm I'm a I'm a scholar of comedy, so I, this kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I don't mind breaking it down and figuring out why it's funny and taking it apart. And and you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's very much set up punch tagline. Uh, there's buttons on on the end of this stuff. There's you know he's using all these comic comic you know techniques that we're accustomed today, uh, including constant catchphrases. I mean, the guy was a catchphrase machine. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, he, his catchphrases. That was my favorite part, is you break down his catchphrases. I love this. All the time. I mean, just speaking of funny things, I mean, I was just doing the uh, No Man Can Serve Two Masters first. They translate a word as despise. What does that spy, the word despise in Greek actually mean? Well, it means look down on. Now, there's something very funny about talking about a slave, which is what the word servant means, in Greek is slave, a slave looking down on his master. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, if that isn't humor, what the hell is it? <laughs> you know, why, why? There are plenty of words in Greek that mean despise and hate and all that kind of stuff. There, this word, Jesus only uses it like three times, uh, actually two times. One is quoting him in Luke, which is the same verse, just in a different gospel. And he's saying about a slave looking down on his master. I mean, if he wasn't trying to be funny, why say it that way? Right. Words are important. And he used specific words to, just like right. any comedian crafts their, their, they're not having a conversation. It just sounds like a conversation because they've crafted the words so carefully that it's, right. they're hiding all the, they're hiding the strings and the gears and all the stuff behind the scenes so well. You know, they make it look easy. I, I love, I think you're exactly right here. Here's one of the things, amen, as a catchphrase, or amen, amen I say to you means I tell you true. Basically, that's the equivalent of, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, so, right, so every right, time he says right. amen in the Bible, he's saying, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> Honestly, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's like a phrase that, you know, Will Rogers would use, you know, right. honestly, I'm telling you, right. but you're repeated enough and it becomes funnier and funnier. You know, it's, honestly, I'm telling you, isn't a, that's literally what he said. That's the right word order. Um, you know, it, it, the first time it isn't funny, but by the 10th time, you know, it's getting kind of funny, <laughs> you know, right. especially when it's coupled with other stuff, you know, he's, he's having, he's clearly having fun. And, you know, fun is infectious. And if you get people laughing, it's easier to keep them laughing. And obviously, you know, the use of catchphrases is a very significant part of his work. I mean, there's throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he will repeat things over and over again in different environments. And he does it in a very humorous way. I mean, he's, the guy is great fun. And it's, to me, it's sad he's never been portrayed that way. There is one musical Godspell where they try and bring out the humor. In, the, in some of his sayings, mm -hmm. but, you know, they don't, once more, because they're using translations that don't follow his word order, it's very, you know, cumbersome. If you follow Jesus' word order, it's, it's pretty easy to see it's humor. It's kind of like, you know, if you change the word order, well, you know, you know, uh, Henny Youngman's line, you know, take my wife, please, becomes right. please take my wife, and it's no longer fun. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a cry for, you it's know. a desperate cry for help, right? Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you, you talk about exaggeration. This is my favorite example. But in a lot of ways, this example would would change everyone's belief on the Bible. So there's this famous phrase. So you talk about exaggeration. The famous phrase, with enough faith, you can move mountains. Now, to a lot of mm-hmm. people, that's on posters. This is this has inspired a lot of people. If you have enough faith in yourself, you can change the world. People have you know adapted this, right? Well, you say, well, mountain and mule are the same word in Greek. So what he's saying is, right. if you have enough faith, you can move a mule. Mules are known to be stubborn. That's hilarious, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a funny line, but that like changes so many things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's no lo- it's no longer as miraculous. <laughs> miraculous. Right. It's just funny. Right. You know, it's, it's just, borderline miraculous. Mules are pretty stubborn, but not yeah. as miraculous. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he also said, but once more, he's using the play on words. He's not just saying mule. He's also saying mountain. I mean, that it that's why it doesn't work in English, but it does work in Greek. Right. And it's right, one right. reason it couldn't be translated. It's because it does mean most both things. Right. And that's, you know, once more, if you have wordplay in English, that's the way it works, where one meaning occurs to you, and it's like, oh, there's another meaning there. Oh, that's funny, you know? Well, it becomes funny because people think mule, and then they say mountains, and then that's when the power of that sentence really hits. Because then you're like, oh, it right. means that. Oh, and it also means this, which is probably what he meant, which is that's those are the types of things that make someone a powerful speaker. And that's the way he sets it up, too. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, what I loved about this is this doesn't take away from anything Jesus said. This only adds to the, to the power of his ability as a speaker, as a presenter. This whole idea of, like, a sanctimonious guy who kind of came in and told people, you know, uh, basically led the, led the sheep in the right direction— uh, I, I never liked that guy that much. I mean, he's he's great, you know. Uh, he's an okay character. If we're just talking about characters, right? If we're just talking about the characters in the Bible, yeah. I did a whole episode on the character of Lucifer in the Bible. So if we're just talking about that kind of like sanctimonious, almost like know-it-all Jesus, he's okay. He's a good guy, but he's not fun to be around. This guy is fun to be around, you know. Oh, and, yeah. and and it's just it's just a different character and gives a different uh, interpretation of the Bible that I just I really enjoyed. Yeah, I'll actually, since you do electric books, I'll send you uh, three books, electric books. Jeez. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. Um, anyway, ebooks. Um, I'll send you a copy of my ebook. The ser- it's called We Saw His Sermon on the Mountain. It's uh, it, a yeah. description of the sermon from by some a guy that was sought. Um, it's also in a play that's actually published by uh, Eldridge, which is a big Christian publisher mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. plays and musicals. But um, um, we're going to be doing an audio book of the Sermon on the Mount. We we saw his sermon on the Mount um, soon, like starting the next few weeks. I think we'll probably start production on it. But, but we, you know, basically to bring out the humor. I mean, to do the book, you've got to do all kinds of funny voices and stuff. Because right. in the book, I have him doing funny voices because he's saying, you know, he's playing old man. I mean, if you just read the sermon, he's... He's saying things. He's saying you were told of ancients, and then he quotes them. You know, he doesn't actually quote them. He changes around. But he's clearly doing funny voices when he's doing this stuff. He's playing different parts. I mean, you know, to do this stuff, you know, he was, he came from a storyteller culture. Mm -hmm. And he drew huge crowds. He drew huge crowds, not because he was doing miracles. He was hiding his miracles, especially at the beginning. Um, but he drew huge crowds because they came to hear him speak. They didn't come to hear him speak because 
they wanted religion preached at them. They had the Pharisees doing that every day of the week. Right, yeah, right. They came to hear him. They came to hear him speak because he was just so entertaining. He was so much fun to hear. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what I found out when I first started translating. And I and I started that because of my work on Sun Tzu, and I saw all the, those English translations, you know, went so far from the the original Chinese in Sun Tzu's The Art of War. I said to myself, gee, I wonder how close the you know the Bible is to what Christ said. Right. And then I started the one. I went, oh, not close at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know. Well, there, there's two things. There's two things that I wanted to mention really quickly before we close because I just found these to be kind of like paradigm shifting. The first one, "ye of little faith," is a famous phrase that you said is actually a mistranslation of a completely made up word. So, I mean, it's a complete interpretation of a word that didn't even exist in the Greek <laughs> that they tried to make fit which I thought was interesting. And also this one, which is, this is a powerful, this this is the crux of my whole problem with people taking the Bible literally, is Matthew 19.9, you talk about, it's, it's about, essentially people quote this as, as Jesus being against divorce. But your interpretation is he's basically talking about how uh, people that that the divorce he's making a marriage joke here. It's not that he doesn't believe in divorce. He's saying um, that it's a joke about divorce, and due to an error in translation, people believe that they shouldn't get divorced. This is really powerful because my grandmother was in a marriage, a horrible marriage, for years because she believed that, according to the Bible, you weren't supposed to get divorced. So these errors in translation have like profoundly affected people's lives. We gave both a positive and a negative effect. You know, retranslating this does have like sweeping effects if you start believing the translations. You know what I mean? It's just this stuff was just kind of mind blowing and paradigm shifting. Well, once more, I suggest people study the words and take their own lesson from them. You know, that's basically what Martin Luther said at the beginning of the Reformation is he wanted to give people uh, the ability to read the words in their own language despite their own translations. But he was selling an agenda too. Now, I have. You know, uh, first of all, I have I have nothing against 2,000 years of Christian teaching at all. I think that there were many men that were much brighter than I am interpreting Christ's words in the way they did for their own for for very good reasons. Um, however, I think that it does us all good to get back to the original and see what Christ was really like and what he was really saying, and remove some of the you know how you how stuff builds up over time. You know, you get this crust of you know, when it's resurfaced and resurfaced, you get this mm-hmm. big buildup of, of, you know, gluck on the surface of things. And that's kind of what's happened to the Bible is that it's been, you know, even the original English translation, the King James Version, was so heavily influenced by the Latin Vulgate. And, you know, people's perceptions of the time about what this was supposed to mean, despite what it actually said, that they translated it that way. Yeah. You know. No, I agree. I mean, look, in, I, I've always loved the stories of the Bible. I grew up on them. I, I just always take issue with people who, who treat this as if it's literally the, the Word of God that is, that is un, unshifted, unchanged in its pure, in its form. And I just don't believe that is true with any translation, no matter how good it is. I mean, even no matter how good you think you are, you're probably mistranslating one or two oh. things here and there. Well, I, but I you find, recognize I find, it. I, I, I find huge errors that I've made all the time. I, I, I find just, you know, I'm, that's why I'm always working is because I've learned so much, um, not just about Greek, because I'm continually learning new things about Greek, but I've learned so much about the way Jesus uses words. I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been spending time 
literally every day on it. Uh, now I spend more time because I have more time. But, uh, um, you know, you learn so much over time. You just, you know, I'm just going over and fixing mistakes more than anything else now. Um, you know, but I made plenty of mistakes. You know, as a matter of fact, if you talked about some of the stuff you love, I might have to tell you, oh, geez, you know, I was wrong about that. (laughs) Geez, I really, I missed that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Now I know, now I know this where, but I, you know, there's hardly a verse that I don't look at and find a better way to deal with it, you know? So, right. Right. No, it's fair. I mean, you, but you recognize it. And that's always, that's always been my problem is people don't recognize that there could be, they, they believe in this, that, it, that it, that it is free from error and could not be, you know, that it is, oh, yeah. is it's holy and it cannot be erroneous, but it's just, that's not how translations work. I mean, they are yeah. written by, written down by man. Uh, anyway, I just found this incredible. You've got tons of the stuff on your website. As you mentioned, you've got a book. Uh, so please, everyone, check this out. This is eye-opening stuff, man. Christ the Comedian. I love this idea. The website is Christ's Words. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-S-W-O-R-D-S.com. Gary, thank you so much for taking this extra time out for me. 